on this episode of Quantum Week, December 9th through 15th, 2007. Welcome to Quantum Week. I'm Matt. I'm Chris. Quantum Week is a show in which Chris and I leap into a random week of a random year, and we talk about the movies, the music, the headlines, everything that's happening during that time period that makes it unique. And today we are in December 9th through 15, 2007. Yes. Our movies are, our movie is No Country for Old Men. And song is uh, No One by Alicia Keys. But before we get started, I did want to say something about our last, I think it was the last episode where we talked about uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and I'll Be Your Everything, and you called me out. Yeah, you did. I you, did. Yeah, you called me out yeah. on uh, on picking the two songs of that week. Yes. It was the, uh, so that one was uh, I'll Be Your Everything by Tommy Page, but we also that week we did Black Velvet by Alana Miles. Yes. And I totally like forgot what the fuck I was doing uh, when we were recording the show, as sometimes I do. Okay. I got a lot going on in the snogging. And uh, it was um, Tommy Page, that song wasn't the number one that week. It was the number week two weeks after. It was the number four that week. Alana Miles' Black Velvet was the number one. So why would you pick the Tommy Page song? I picked it because it was the worst song I'd ever heard and I wanted to talk about it. And the rest of the top 10 was like, it was like there was nothing really. It wasn't, it was lukewarm. It was nothing nice like good or nothing bad. Punish people. So we punished people, but no, I thought it was, I thought, I still thought it was a good episode. It was and a cool thing to talk about. It's another great quantum week episode. Absolutely. Did you? I know. I agree. You kind of saying it's sarcastic. No, I know. Uh, no, it's fine. No, we got some funny full house. It was, it was fine. I want to revisit last week, but yeah, it was, it was good. It was, just, it was a rough week culturally. So it was a rough. Yeah, but I had fun do I, those are, I think those are as fun, maybe sometimes more fun than the things that we love. I mean, cause there's only so much you can tongue bath something before well, it's we, like, eh. we might do that today. Oh, uh, yeah, I also yeah, got to totally. say too. So I'm a, I'm a little groggy. Uh, uh, we we got a puppy uh, a couple days ago here. Uh, puppy's name is Melfi from like like Sopranos. Oh really? Um, you know this, Matt. I know. Um, it's not very authentic. Uh, <laughs> so uh, it's it's a very nice puppy. But uh, the, the name. The puppy uh, puppy is uh, up all night crying in her crate. So I'm going on, I don't know, about eight hours sleep the last three nights combined. I think. Yeah, yeah. Uh, when, when Chris got here today, I was like, because he ran a race yesterday. And uh, I was like, are you just really tired from that? He's like, no, it's the fucking puppy. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm definitely, I'm definitely a little gold groggy. Uh, but, uh, but I am excited, though, to talk about yes. No Country for Old Men. Let's do it. Which I have a lot of feelings and thoughts about. Uh, no Country for Old Men, of course, won Best Picture. Yep, that year. Uh, also won Best Director, a Best Supporting Actor, and Best Screenplay. Um, it was nominated for like seven or eight, too. It was, it was a big movie. That yeah, big so deal. I'm going to say right off the bat. So when I first saw No Country for Old Men, saw it in the movie theaters, yeah. I was really, uh, I was angry about it. I did, I did, yeah. I was, oh, I, I probably I was why. fucking pissed. And I just did not like how they just basically killed Josh Brolin character. And you didn't see it. You don't see it. And then it just, the rest of the half hour plays kind of like an epilogue. Yes. And I'm like, oh, I, I was so invested in this character. I really was. Absolutely. And um, to have it go out that way made me really re- have a real distaste of the movie. In fact, I didn't watch the movie again for uh, about uh, 10 years. Yeah, about 10 years. Wow. I, didn't, I didn't watch it. I was really pissed. Wow. And um, uh, I finally did a rewatch of it you know, about 2008, 2009. I'm like, oh, actually, I don't know. I kind of like it. Maybe, yeah. You know, it kind of works for me. Yeah. Watched it again last year. Uh, and I'm like, you know what? I, it's part of getting your wife up to speed or something. With no, uh, no, I, did, just, uh, I do that, but not with this one. Yeah. Uh, and uh, she just didn't have a lot of interest. So I was, I think I was, I was just bored at home one night. And I'm like, right. oh, what's going on? Yep. And I'm like, you know what? I think I kind of like all this movie. And I watched it again uh, for this, for this podcast. I'm like, you know what? This is a great movie. I love I, it. The I, first I, time I, I, I missed it. the boat. 
Yeah, yeah. It, it, this, this is an absolutely great movie. Uh, I'm going to say right now, I'm going to give it an A minus. I do have some, some small issues. Is this a perfect movie like Silence of the Lambs? Right, that's what I, I was thinking too. A minus, this is just just the tier underneath. Just the tier underneath. Yep. And there are there are a few issues I have with it, but um, this is a brilliant film. It is. It's 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 it's, it's beautiful. It's it's uh, it's it's dreadful. It's um it's shocking. It's it's everything you want in a movie. Um, and in fact, it's so for me at least, it's so deep and so so many great left turns that I couldn't even enjoy it the first time I saw it. Yeah, which is which is a tribute to how how good this movie really is. It's the Lebowski. I know you don't like Lebowski, but, like it's, Lebowski. but it's the Lebowski effect for me. The first time I saw it, I was like, what the fuck? I just couldn't get into the world. The character yeah. he was just a slacker, fucking meathead, pot addict. And it took like a few rewatches for me to like, okay, this is, this I've done is a few rewatches. Wild. I still don't like it. We, I know you we, don't. we can visit that. But it's the same. Time. I think Cohen's do well, that. Like there's depth. There's sometimes. a lot of depth to their, to well, Fargo. There's a lot of depth to their, right, but Fargo to their I enjoyed very much the first time I yeah, saw yeah, it. Yeah, me and too. I, and yeah. I still, it's still my favorite Cohen brothers movie. This is now a very close second. This is number one for me. Fargo is number two. And I, yeah. I mean, that's a, that's fine. Yeah. Um, so this, uh, do you want do you have a 15 second synopsis of this? Yeah. So Llewellyn Moss, that's Josh uh, Brolin's character. He's hunting in the Texas desert. Beautiful, by the way, uh, comes across a, like a bloody scene. It's, it's this drug deal gone bad, um, finds $2 million, decides to take it and um, goes on the run because the sort of this like psychopathic fixer uh, named sugar, <laughs> sugar, <laughs> sugar, 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 uh, go like goes after him to recover the money. And uh, Sheriff Bell, who's played by Tommy Lee Jones, is in pursuit too, trying to save Llewellyn Moss uh, from the wrath of Sugar. Yeah, it is, this is uh, so. Let's talk Sugar for a second. So yeah. we just watched Silence of the Lambs uh, a week or so ago, uh, which Hannibal Lecter, the in my opinion, the greatest villain ever. Yeah, you, you mentioned Se- Darth, Darth Vader, Vader probably, but, there, yeah. and, and no, and then you know a lot of people will mention Anton Sugar. Uh, I don't think he's as great of a villain. I think uh, Javier Bardem is fantastic in this role. He is role. awesome in this role. He's so he's so he is scary. He is terrifying. Yep. But the fact that we don't really know anything about him, we don't. And uh, he just kind of is like and the Coen brothers said they didn't want him to be a Terminator type figure, but he kind of is a Terminator type figure. He is like he he doesn't really ha- we don't have no backstory about him. We have no reason why he does these things. You definitely get more in the book than you do in the film. I haven't read this. I book. read it. It's amazing. It's really good. Yeah, I read the road. I read the road by Cormac McCarthy. That's one of the traumatic for me to read that book. Unbelievable movie. Uh, the book, but the movie actually stinks. Yeah, I don't. The, like the, movie. the book. Uh, if you're looking for a good book to read or a book that's going to really move you, um, the road. I, mean, I think I was in tears you know, yeah, four it, or five that times right now. It is a rough, but book. it's brilliant though, it is, and it's moving. It's a great writer. You. It's it's just it's phenomenal. If you're looking for a good book, I would heavily recommend the road by Cormac McCarthy. And it sounds like you'd recommend No Country for Old Men. I would. Uh, the the road was so it's so dark. Um, I mean, No Country for Old Men's dark too. Yes, but, it is. Uh, but that's a lot easier to swallow than the road. The road is one of the most traumatic books I've ever read. I, do, I would agree with you. Yeah. Uh, Sugar uh, is. Uh, he just is this embodiment of evil, which I know is kind of the point. And yep. he's just this driving force of evil. And, he, and in some ways, he's almost like infecting our country. I mean, they, they talk, remember, this all takes place in 1980. Right. And they keep saying, oh, the world today is so broken. The world today is so broken. And and that's kind of an echoing thing. You know, I've heard my entire life is, oh, things are so bad now. You know, yeah. I wish things were the way it used to be. Uh, you know, people said it in the 90s and people said it after 9-11 and people said it, you know, now, and I'm guessing people will say it after coronavirus. Probably. Like, oh my God, yeah, you know, right. um, everything just keeps getting worse. Um, but that seems like the case of, you know, as you get older, you start to feel like that anyway, which I which, think makes which sense. Which is the Tommy Lee Jones the, right, character, exactly, yep. which is kind of a cliched character in some ways. He totally. plays it very well, but I think you, I think he's just, I, I think that character is while cliche important. And I felt his character was 
more valuable to this movie than the Anton Sugar character, which mm. everyone's going to remember because A, Bardem is f- phenomenal, and B, he looks, he's got that great haircut. Like, <laughs> it's, you know, he's it's done, it's done perfectly. Um, but the character himself really isn't that much of a factor in this movie besides the, the, the killing. But other than that, he doesn't really do anything else. He just kills things. He is. I mean, he's reminding you, I, I know they're playing off, you know, self-determination versus fate. And so he's kind of the fate character. He's sort of the foregone conclusion. And even I think, so I think he really works well with the Tommy Jones character because Tommy Jones is sort of resigned to the fate. That, that's the way I sort of picture him. He's like, he kind of knows what's going to happen throughout the, it's a, sort of a foregone conclusion to him. Even, you know. Yeah, he, even, he has like this, this, the second he sees Lawrence truck, he yeah. knows Lawrence yeah, fucked. Exactly. Yeah. I also like that you call him Tommy Jones. Tommy Lee Jones, sorry. You don't like the Lee? <laughs> did you wear did you wear Lee jeans when you were a kid? No, I never did for some reason. I, I don't did. think I did. I think they I were think Sears. I wore Lee jeans. I wore maybe s- some Jordan. I, I wore slims. You had slim, like regular and husky. Was, it, was that with a Z? Slims or SLM? No, no, no. Uh, slim I, is a size. Oh, oh, I see. You yeah, had yeah. slims. Right, if right. you were if you were a skinny boy like me, yep. you had like regular, regular. if you were a normal <laughs> child. And you had, but if you were fat, you had to wear husky jeans. <laughs> they were called husky? huskies. Oh, that's terrible. Isn't that terrible? That is really um, bad. But it's kind of a foregone gone yes, conclusion to him, right? And so, and and uh, and Shigor is the he's the fate yes. kind of, of this. So I think they really work together in this film. Uh, I, I as I mentioned before that Brolin, I think Brolin is this is by far his best work. He's so good in this. He's great. He's amazing in this. Yeah. And uh, I just really love the character. I I, I just bought in. Uh, and the fact that like he dies so anticlimactically, but that's that's like fucking life though. Like, it is, you know, like it's not, you know, it, it, you know, I always bitch and moan about how things are cliche or things are what you expect them to be. And you know what? Sometimes, you know, Bruce Willis and Die Hard, they, they just kill that guy. Yeah. You know, he doesn't, he doesn't save everybody. Right. And that's brilliant. That's what a, what a ballsy, brilliant move to make a move. I completely did not respect at the time. Right. And, um, and, and I give them a lot of credit cause that's not, that's not the, Easy choice to make here by the Coen Brothers. Do you think you were more accepting of it now because you saw the Sopranos ending? No, okay. I've seen the Sopranos or close to it. No, no, it has no, it had no bearing. You don't think that? Okay. I think I think I needed time. I think I needed time to respect it and appreciate it. I mean, um, it's no. There's nothing more shocking. I, I was I emotional. I, I was emotionally invested in the character when I watched it. I really like this character. I really yeah, like this of journey. Course. Yep. And I remember you root for him. I remember being angry. Yeah. I remember being like pissed. Yeah. And I needed some time away from it emotionally, even though it's a movie, it's so goofy to say, but I, that's how drawn in I was in this movie, the first hour and a half. And then um, I think I needed to know what was going to happen to make me appreciate the movie. If that makes any sense. Yeah. I needed to know that he dies yep. for me to be like, all right, Chris, you know, relax. you know what happens? Let's yeah. Let's just rewatch this movie again. Right. I'm like, oh, this is really good. I don't know. I don't usually change my opinions on movies like this too much. Okay. So I said something like clerks. Yeah or those Kevin Smith movies. Yep. When I was 18, 16. They were funny. Oh, they were brilliant. Yep. They were in my top 100s. Like, yep. I think these movies were, Mallrats was this amazing movie. Yep. It's not, it's a dumb movie. And I was, I was a teenager. I was a dumb, I was an idiot. Um, you know, these aren't good movies at all. Uh, but so those kind of opinions have changed. But very rarely do I watch a great film as an adult and then have, I don't say a complete 180, but I, I didn't, I did not like this movie. I give us like a B minus walking out of the theater. So did you think it was a good movie, but you just didn't enjoy it? It was well crafted. Yeah. I thought it was, um, I'm just, I remember just not appreciate. I, I, I thought the last half hour was incredibly boring. 
Uh, I think it was just I had some sort of reaction to uh, uh, you know Elon Moss dying. I guess I, was, yeah, I, just, yeah, I checked yeah, out yeah, the yeah. movie. I think at some level. I mean, I watched it obviously, and, and right. was, but I remember thinking like, what the fuck? Like you know, I di- I didn't appreciate what they were trying to say. I just I just didn't. It just didn't hit me. And then uh, you know, upon a rewatch, I did. But yeah, I I don't have I've had too many experiences where I've completely got gone a one eighty on a movie like this. And uh, and each time I rewatch it, I like it more. Yeah. So, you know, I said this, I've done four rewatches now and every time I'm like, you know what? I just watched it. I was like, well, I just watched this about nine months ago. I'll watch it again for the podcast. Great. Um, but you know, maybe, maybe I'll, you know, I might, might check my phone a little better for, no, I was like, captivated. I was, I, yeah, yeah, this, captivated. this is the first yep. movie Melfi the puppy watched. Oh, she watched it. Uh, she great. She's six pounds. She's a golden retriever. She like laid on my chest the whole time watching it. She was captivated by it. She slept <laughs> so time, but she wasn't being annoying. <laughs> she wasn't being a bother. She, you know, she was watching or sleeping through the journey. Uh, but it, it, it's great. I think Kelly McDonald is really good in this. She is good. It took me a while to appreciate that performance. Yeah. Um, and, and she, she's, she's kind of the one, the only one that does. She doesn't beg for her life. She's the only no. kind of, she's the only one that stands up to Shakur and it's like, you and Shakur have, does, does re- respect her. Cause he, he gives her an out, but he does coin toss, but, but you see him have an, like he, it almost like it doesn't compute when she's like, I'm not doing your coin toss. Yes. You have the decision here. You don't have to kill me. And he like, he kind of, you see, like you see him physically kind of yes. move from that where everybody else would, would be begging for their life at the time. But the kind of dog character already lost so much. She'd lost she lost her husband, yeah, her mother, mom. you know, she's well, completely alone. I mean, she definitely play. I really love the fact of the catalysts for, um, Moss to die. Like there are like you, it's sort of the moral decisions that he makes lead to his death, the immoral and the things beyond his control all kind of conspire to his death. So the, the immoral thing is he, he steals the money. Yes. Right. The moral thing is he goes back to give that guy water. Right. And that's when that fucked him. Those two things. But then, um, uh, his wife brings the mom, uh, like he, Llewellyn, uh, uh, Llewellyn Moss, uh, Brolin says to her, don't leave your mom. No one's going to mess with your mom. Meet me at this hotel. Right. And it's because the mom went with her. Yes. That gave away their position and gave away his position led to his death. Right. So it was like the things beyond it's called the moral and the immoral all conspired against him. It's great. Like I love the depth of that. And then I, <clears throat> so let's talk through this a second. So let's say Llewellyn Moss does not go back to give that guy water. I, th- oh, he's got, Okay, so there's there is track there is a tracker in there. He's still fucked. There is a tracker. Yeah, yeah, you're right. There's a tracker. I guess he is fucked. I think he's fucked either way. So it's almost it doesn't matter. It almost doesn't matter. Like like the self whatever you do whatever he did he was yeah. gonna, he was gonna die. I think so. What happens to Sugar? So um, I think he lives. I can now. I I'm I think, oh he he oh, he you know he goes like a healthy life. He's in like he, no he, he no. He's in a nursing home with coronavirus right no, now. Or no, I think uh, you know eventually he dies violently with someone who is just either lucky or equal to the task of taking him out. Right. Um, but he has his car accident at the end, which is kind of a strange. Well, that's fate fucking him. Yes. And good good because he because the whole time I mean at least in two occasions he talks about. You know, it's the same, same fate is what brought me here to your door. Basically, and that's why the coin flip thing to the um, the manager of the or the owner of the gas station. Right. And then um, Moss's wife, you know, right. it's that same thing. It's like, oh, fate brought me here. I'm like, and we, both, very, we both acknowledge that he killed Moss's wife. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. He, he checks, walks out, checks, checks his boots. Okay. He's yeah. I, I knew that. Yeah, of course. Right from the yeah, start. I do too. Uh, yeah. So, uh, but there, there were, I remember at the time there was some. Yeah, there was, but it was. Yeah, it's, cl- it's clear what he did because otherwise they would have told you he didn't. 
I think I think that's the other. I thing don't think there's any way that guy walks. The guy kills no, everybody. No, no, he kills, kills everybody. everybody. Yeah. Encounters. Yeah. Um, with rare exceptions. Right. Um. Yeah. I think. He, I also think he whatever limps away from that accident, and then right. I think he does die eventually violently, and, and yeah. And um, I'm trying to remember. There's more about him in the book. Actually, it, like goes a little bit further about what happens afterwards. But I can't remember. I have theories about him being some sort of Satan type figure. Like, did you read The Stand by Stephen King? Yeah, that was one of my favorite books growing up. It's been it, a long time. Ago. It's my favorite book of all time. Oh, nice. Um, it is nice. Um, <laughs> and uh, the the bad guy in it is Randall Flagg. Randall yep. Flagg is not Satan himself, but he is some sort of disciple, Demon-ish, yeah, demon who uh, who basically just works to just create evil. And that character shows up in a bunch of Stephen King books, including um, you know Dark Tower series and all that. Right. Randall Flagg is kind of the the kind of the, the dark devil. Character. He's You're kind right. of the Satan of the Stephen King world. But yeah. in the stand alone. If you just look at the stand, yeah, he is a Satan type figure, but he's not the devil himself, but he's some sort of evil incarnate that just lives to create evil. Yeah. And, 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 and pain and suffering. And I felt watching this, especially this time. I was like, wow, Anton sugar really is like, he's like, he, he's probably not Satan himself, but he's close. Yeah. Yes. He he's just an embodiment of evil. He does things with like, he's very practical. He's, he's, he's bright. He, but he's just everything about nothing about him is like, good and even when he like tries to be like nice if he's like he walks over in the beginning of the movie he walks over and he before he shoots that guy in the head yeah with the uh cattle thing yeah yeah um Little cattle bolts yeah right uh he walks over and he goes uh he's trying to smile like he's just trying to be a human being is like and he's just trying to like ha- like have small talk with this guy to get him out of the car he's you know could you step out of your car please and he tries to get him, but he, he's almost like wearing a mask he, he can't even be human for no, a no, second no. no that's the thing this is this is this is the what a human looks like when the empathy knob is turned to zero like absolute zero yes he is he is completely a psychopath there's a face he makes that's chilling uh in the very beginning of the movie he when he the cop arrests him he gets arrested which is crazy that he gets arrested i know uh, and we're not quite sure why i don't they don't they yeah don't get into that. yeah it's not but uh but that's the first time we he meet ends him. up killing the cop that arrests him he strangles <laughs> him it, it brutally with the handcuffs but he makes a he turns his head he makes this face so and it's a face of like pleasure yeah uh and it's also a face of like uh intense focus yes focus but it's this chilling we i don't know how bardem does it it's this weird it's like barely looks like a human face yep and um it's very odd. And Bardem, meanwhile, really good looking guy. Yeah. Like yeah, in real yeah. life, yeah, like he he's, he's in a movie called Mother, which is very controversial. I yeah. actually like it a it's lot. It's a cool film. I, I think it's yeah. really interesting. It's, I don't, I mean, I don't like it, but I appreciate it. Uh, I, it's not like it was a pleasure to watch that. Fucking no, thing. it's not, but it's not what it's supposed to be. Right. But no, I think it's like a badly made movie. I, I disagree. No, it's a, it's I think it's a, a, a well made movie. movie. Yeah. Uh, and Aronofsky. Yes. Right. Yeah. And he's in that. And, um, and he plays, it's a complicated movie, but he's more like a charismatic. Human being. And, yes. Yeah. And he's you can, an artist. You can just see that. Like he's got a lot of different like levels to him. Totally uh, does. And, and he's, he's, but, but he makes this face where he just like shuts his humanity off. And he, it's, just, it's, it's creepy. Like he, yep. he's, he definitely, let's talk about that for a second. Let's see who he was up against. And his voice too is like such a great, he did, he did a phenomenal job in when he film. got hired. So the, the Coen brothers give him the script and he's like, are you sure you want me for this? I can't. Oh, he doesn't like violence. He's like, I hate violence. I can't speak English very well <laughs> right, right. and I can't drive <laughs> right. and the Coen brothers go. That's exactly what Perfect. I, that's exactly what I want you. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so let's see who he was up against here. Cause I always think that's interesting, especially for supporting actor, which is always kind of a, a hodgepodge sometimes. Yeah. So you have him who won Casey Affleck for the assassination of Jesse James, uh, uh, no, by a, which is a very same cinematographer. Oh, Deacons. Deacons. Well, Deacon, yeah, uh, and that's a great movie. Uh, absolutely. Great call by Deacon uh, on Deacons there. Cause Deacons obviously does this. Yep. You I think uh, the Jesse, the Jesse James, 
just to shorten it. The assassin's just names that uh, cinematography is better. You can make a case. That's I haven't like, seen it in a long time. That's maybe it's beautiful. That's some of the best looking. That might be like the best looking movie. I'm always a big road to tradition fan. Yeah, yeah. But like this is like right there with it. Um, and he, uh, Casey Affleck, by the way, brilliant in that movie. Yeah, really good. Um, I, I'm surprised he got supporting actor because it's really his movie. Brad Pitt, I know, is Jesse James, but he's right, not. But he's not in it as much. Um, Philip Seymour Hoffman in Charlie Wilson's War. I don't remember it. That's what Julia Roberts and Tom Hanks. Now I remember. Um, it's not a great movie. In fact, it's the last movie. If you're a New Hampshire person, it's the last movie I saw at the Strand in Dover before they closed it down. Oh, look at that. I saw it. And then a day later, I'm like, oh, what, what's playing this week? And it was closed. But like, well, was I the last person <laughs> to walk out of this movie theater? Yeah. Uh, so uh, that movie is, is okay. He, he's good in it, but it's by nowhere near Philip Sumo Hoffman. I always feel like that was like an attaboy because you've had a great career. Right. Uh, Hal Holbrook for Into the Wild, um, which I like the book way better than the movie. I don't remember that. What is it's that? the wild? The Sean Penn. It's the um, oh, book oh, about the uh, the kid that goes in the woods. He, uh, yeah. Then he goes Chris, up to Alaska and uh, uh, Chris Chandless. That's right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He goes to Alaska. Yep. Hal Holbrook has, has a part of he, Hal Holbrook's fine. It's, it's not a great role. And then Tom Wilkinson and Michael Clayton, who is amazing. Michael Clayton. Right. If you love 70 cinema and you haven't seen Michael Clayton, that's watch it film. now. Yep. Go stop what you're doing. Go watch it now. It's uh, George Clooney's in it. It's, it's, fan- yep. it's the closest thing to 70 cinema that uh since presumed innocent, right? <laughs> right, 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 right. Uh, but no, it's it's really good. It's it's uh, it's definitely for like grownups. It's not like a fun. No, it's not a fun like watch like that. It, no. But it's a uh, incredibly. It's the most maybe the most intelligent movie of the last twenty years. It's in that ballpark, or you know, in that argument. Uh, and that was also nominated for best picture as well, which this won. Yeah, right. Along with and not also nominated was Atonement, which I've never seen. I have I've not seen it. I Keira know what it is. Yeah, yeah. supposedly really uh, good. Juno, which is not a. I actually like Juno. It's okay. I saw it in the theater. Me too. Yeah. But best picture. Yeah, really, probably not. No. No, I mean, no. the fact that okay, so that got nominated for best picture, but assassination of, of Jesse James. That didn't, doesn't make that's sense. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, Michael Clayton, which is a brilliant movie. Yeah. And then there will be blood. Oh right. See, I w- I'm a little bit soured on there will be blood. I think it's pretty good, but it's definitely not one of my favorites. I agree with you of, of his films. Me, me. Either. I, mean, I saw it in the theater. I, and I, I was love, really I psyched to Paul do it. Thomas Anderson. Yeah, me too. It's not not my. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't my. Thing. Um. Yeah, uh, I, I was also a fantastic movie. And hopefully we can talk about that movie at a later date, but this movie, so 2007 is one of those years that people do call one of the better movie years, especially of the last of the century. seems like Bardem should have won is what he did. Right? No, that's what I mean. Oh, it's like, I, I, yes, yeah, it seems like seems like the right call. Oh, I agree. I yeah. mean, Tom Wilkins is really good. Michael Clayton. I don't remember but, as much. Uh, Javier Bardem is that's an iconic. Yeah, even though I don't maybe I don't love how that character is written. I just wish there was some sort of I just need more. And I understand maybe the whole thing like you need the, more information. You don't need more from the from the performance. No, 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 nothing yeah. more than performance. I need to need more of that character. I need to know more who that is. And I understand the whole point of it is you're not supposed to. He's just he's just evil. He's just evil. But if that's the case, and that's not that's that's easy to do. Something just struck me when uh, when we were talking. Um, so that first scene that that you mentioned where we meet him, where he like he strangles a you know a sheriff yeah. or a deputy. Um, they it's it. His back was to Shagor. He's on the phone. His back was to he had him. No it's idea like, what he was dealing with. Like that's the thing. It's right exactly from the get go of the movie. You don't know what you're dealing with. Right. Crazy. Yeah. I love too, and it's a small thing, but it just shows you how how good the Coen brothers are with with details and stuff. Uh, the black marks on the floor from the guy I kicking know. his shoes. Like yeah, you know. And every time I've seen that that I've made that I've accidentally scuffed a floor or whatever, I think of that movie. <laughs> I, I think of that. And I'm like, yeah. wow. It's, you know, the Coen Brothers, I have a complicated relationship with a little bit. I, I don't love a lot of their stuff, honestly. I think some of their stuff just isn't isn't that great. They they put a few out, things. They put out a yeah. lot of stuff. Um, there's been a lot of movies they put out. It's, I think some I, a lot of people like uh, a serious man. I, I don't think that's 
particularly great. No, it's fine. It's kind of boring. Um, I, I, some of theirs, I don't, I don't love Big Lebowski. I do love Fargo. Yes. I, I think this is, this took me a while, but I do, I do love this movie as well. I love a brother where art though too. It's okay. It's just weird. I love it. I, I think sometimes they do weird for weird sake. It's really, which is, uh, I, like raising Arizona is it, strange. Yeah, I'm not a huge fan it's, of that it's one. It's weird for but weird Hunt, sake. But Hunt's like a proxy I am. You know, I haven't seen that. It's really good. Yeah. Yeah. It is. It's, it's a little more cartoony like a brother where art though. Yeah, see, yeah, so it's, I'm not, I'm, I, don't get, I like it when they do that world. I like how they have like a, they've got tone changes, changes in their film. They just do some different and that. And I can see why. So raising Arizona to me is that, but it's that too far. And I don't like it. Does, it doesn't do it for me. I don't think the Coleman brothers are the best filmmaker. I, I, I have some real issues with some of their works. I will say though, mm. and maybe you can make a case. They are the most interesting filmmakers of, interesting. of their generation. Yeah, they're uh. definitely not stuck in a genre. No. And they do push themselves. They do try to test things. They do work with different actors at times. They do, they do try to do some different things. Yeah. Um, like Christopher Nolan to me is a brilliant filmmaker. Brilliant. I don't know. He doesn't, he doesn't have that same flexibility that Coen brothers do. He doesn't. No. He kind of lives in a world and he, he just kind of, I think he's unfortunately with, 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 as his library of movies becomes more vast, you can see that he's having a hard time leaving that world. And I, and I do, and I love that world. I yeah. think Nolan's brilliant. I think yeah, the yeah. Batman movies are great. I think prestige is amazing. Yeah. Um, I really like a lot of these movies that he does inception. I think is really good. Inception's great. Um, but outside of that zone, he, he's having a hard time, like getting out of that. Like, I can't imagine him trying to make a, a light comedy where the Coen brothers will try that. It might not work, but they at least try. Yeah. Of and course. there's, there's something to be said for that. I, I, um, I think their filmmaking was awesome in this. I love the direction of this. One of the first, um, so the first time you see jo- Josh Brolin goes down to uh, Llewellyn Moss, the character goes down to see uh, the bloodbath that yes. was a seal go wrong. Right. And you see the shot is from his boots walking and cause all the dead people are yes. down there. The dead dog is yep. like completely creepy and gross and they just follow his boots through the scene. It's crazy. It's, it's fantastic. And I love how they took the score away. I was going to say the other thing is this movie is so, extremely quiet. So creepy, extremely quiet. And it builds a suspense. Yeah. I always talk about that episode of Sopranos when, um, the Sopranos spoiler coming up. Give us two minutes. Uh, starting out when, <laughs> when Ralphie dies. Yeah. So they kill Ralphie and they, they take the score away. Uh, you know, that's uh, yep. uh, Tony kills Rafi in his kitchen, and, and yep. they, but they remove the score. Yep. And it adds this level of like, I get it's really way un- more intimate. I get really unsettled. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, I keep waiting for something horrible to happen because you realize as a oh, Sopranos, uh, is, you can come back. Um, <laughs> they would have heard that. You realize uh, that uh, you do do depend on score as a moviegoer. I especially do. So score almost helps me know what's happening. Yeah. And it's, I mean, kind that's of, the point. It's, it's kind of a cheat, right? And it's, but it's almost like a thing where it's like, all right, well, I, it's almost like going on a roller coaster in the dark when you take score away. Yeah. If I'm on a roller coaster, I enjoy the ride, but I know if a big drop's coming, I can see it. But if I'm in the dark, I don't know what's going to happen now. And I get, I get unsettled. It's like, it's really jarring and it makes me, and I think that's another reason I had such an emotional reaction to well, I'm lost dying because I was now on a different emotional height because I didn't have the score to right. guide me. So I'm like, all right, all right, all right, all right, I'm in with you. I'm jittery. Uh, and, um, and then, you know, to have it, have him die. Another great thing about this movie, Woody Harrelson's fantastic. And small is. role comes yeah, in really small, but yeah, um, he's great. And I love how they introduce this character. Uh, and I just, I enjoy that whole, that whole midsection where a movie can kind of sag a little bit in a midsection of something like this. 
you bring in someone like Woody Harrelson who has just energy to, to go. I'm a huge Woody Harrelson fan. Yep. And um, bringing him in the way they brought him in was just brilliant. And Steven Root's so good. I mean, yeah, yeah. That scene of, is really cool. There's oh, so some good. I wanted to bring up this odd thing. I don't know if you noticed, but so the last thing that he says to Root before he leaves the the um, the in his, his office, office yeah. right, is uh, he's, he comments on the floors. He's like, when I came up, do you realize I counted the floors coming up here and there's one missing? Yes. Obviously, that's, uh, you know, they're acknowledging the 13th floor is not there. Um, and Stephen Root just like look, looks. I'll have that. Oh, his line is yeah, we'll like, look into we'll that, look into that yeah. which is really funny, actually. Yes. Um, but thirteen is actually something that keeps happening in this film. The first room that Llewellyn Moss goes into is one thirty-eight, so a thirteen there. The second room is two thirteen, um, and then the final, um, the final door that you see, there's no one thirteen. I can't remember. It was one twelve and one fourteen. Oh, it was the, it was in, it was the obviously it would have been it, it was the the room that that Moss died in. Moss died in. Okay. Yeah. So that's it. Was really weird that they kept putting the third like thirteen and thirteen. Well, it and 13 probably goes in. back into like fate and stuff probably, and like yeah. superstition and luck and and what it, what you know what what are these things? And, yeah. And, you know, what, there's a neat little detail that I what caught. Does, I was like, what the, what does? And it's a great, it's a great, you know, anytime a movie has like this many layers to, where you can have kind of philosophical discussions like, well, what, what are we guided by? Like, think about like our lives, you know, I, I don't, in, up until April or February, like we had our lives and then now it's coronavirus completely discharged like, everything that we do. Yeah. Big right turn or something. And that's kind of like a weird, I don't say fate, but it's kind of a weird, you know, it's just funny how like you think you're in control of your life, yeah. but you know what? You're fucking not in control of anything. It's kind of chilling. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's something I'm on some level struggling with just personally. Like I just got laid off. Uh, I, you know, dealing with this like crisis with, uh, with coronavirus. And it's just like, all right, well, I, I know before February, I thought I was kind of, I, I, I pretended I had control over things. <laughs> yeah. but at the end of the day, you don't have control over shit. No, and and it, you know, a movie like this is is a bleak reminder of that. Uh, that you just got, you just have to kind of do. The, I think just do the best you can, and you know, hopefully you get fortunate enough where you you know live a long life and it's relatively happy. And yeah, you meet the right people and you make the best choices you can. But yeah. on some level, as many good choices as you may make, there is that Anton Chigurh waiting for you. Right? Did you read that uh, blood was an issue for this film? They used a lot of blood, but since they were they were filming this, you know, in the fucking desert, yeah. Normally, you would use a blood that's a sugar concoction, okay. Um, and so it, you know, it gets sticky and kind of like yeah. melt and and diffuse or whatever. They had to get special blood to make uh, this film that was eight hundred dollars per gallon. Oof, crazy! And wow. they use they use a good they amount, of, amount, of blood. <laughs> a good amount of blood, especially in that blood desert budget. scene there. Tens of thousands for their blood budget. Um, anything else on this film? I think we kind of rounded really it out like pretty it. well. It's, well, it's one, really good. One small thing I really like yeah. is, uh, and it's, this crystallized. This is a really, 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 really brilliant movie. This is obviously going to be my top five. I got to kind of figure. It's, Absolutely, it will be yeah. one. Silence yep. Lambs will be one. Yep. I, I don't know where I'm going to put it in, but it, 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 this is this is this is this is masterwork. Yeah. Uh, small thing, just one of those things that just like, oh, that's really good. So, uh, Will and Moss goes to the, the the death site, sees the guys, right. asks for water. Uh, Will and Moss goes home. He's in bed. And he goes, all right. And you know exactly <laughs> you what know exactly. You know it's exactly what's yep. on his mind. You know exactly what he's gonna do. Uh, and it's just in that moment, you're like, oh, no, that's probably. I think that's a very human, normal. It's not like I need to go save this man. You know, he does have a conversation with the wife about the water, but in that moment, he goes, all right. And yeah, that, you that know, is, his head's just been his subconscious has been working on him all day. And that's what I think. That's how it would happen. Yeah, absolutely. Like, and and it's just it's just a really good. It's really when I always talk about that really efficient and really impressive writing, yeah. directing and acting Absolutely. all in one quick 
thing. I talked about the elevator scene in Silence of the Lambs is the same thing. Yeah. Where you don't need to say a ton. A lot of times, just how you say something or just even how you look and how you react it says everything. Oh, the Sp- uh, knowing Spanish uh, makes uh, Moss actually a little bit less likable in that scene where the guy oh, asked no. him for water. Um, Barbara translated for me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the guy was worried about coyotes or uh, yeah, coyotes or wolves like killing him and like wanted Moss to shut the door and he, he didn't do it. He left the door open. Oh, yeah. But Moss didn't understand Spanish. Yeah. Um, he said a couple words in Spanish. I know he said, no, he said back to him. He's like, he's like, he said something like no coyotes or whatever and then like walked off. He said something like that. And the that. guy does die, but he died and yeah, he did wounds. Yeah, it was the he wounds. He didn't die from right. coyotes. No, he didn't, but still it was yeah. kind of like, oh, because uh, Barbara said asshole and I was like, oh. what? I said, what? And she translated for me. Yeah, Moss didn't seem to have a lot of patience for that guy. No, didn't. But that guy was probably a bad guy. Oh, I mean, well, that's the thing. I can understand why he, especially he's been in war. He's been in war. He's a Vietnam vet. He's yeah. probably seen shit like this. He can clearly say who is the bad guys and who's the good guy. The, this is definitely a bad guy. Would you have gone down? What would you have done in that situation? I would have, uh, if I had water, I would have given it to him. No, no, no. What would you, let's say you. Oh, would I have taken the money? You, you're no. you, the second I look down into the trucks. I, I'm, I'm out of there. man. Oh yeah. There's no way. No, I know what if I know what that is. I'm not going down to even if you don't let's say you see five trucks down Fuck. there and like, I would go down binoculars, I might, see dead bodies. I would call. I would office. I would call you know, the authorities. Of course, uh, I might go down there though because mm, the problem is if someone is dying down there and I can help them if I can help save them. Yeah, life, I might. I, I, if I were armed, if so I'm not armed, go, I would. Okay, so let's so go down there. Yeah, you haven't called the authorities. You go down there and you see the truck full of drugs. Yeah. Oh, I immediately. I skedaddle. Yeah, I call the cops. Yeah, of course. I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm not dealing. Yeah, because you know someone's gonna come looking for that too. Oh yeah, I never would take that money. Never. But even like being there, like I would be afraid for my life immediately. There's a, there's how what a two million dollars worth of drugs here. Someone's gonna come looking. I'm fucking out. And I would be yeah. There's a movie called first. A Simple Plan with Billy Bob Thornton. Yeah, I saw it a long time. Uh, John yeah. Ritter too, right? Is that a Ritter film? No, that's Sling Blade. Ah, fuck. Uh, a Simple Plan uh, is uh, it's uh, I think it's. I think it's Bill Paxton. Oh, it's Bill Paxton. That's what, um, that's what I'm And uh, the movie basically is a premise of you find, you know, X million dollars. Bridget Fonda's in it too. She's good. Right. Uh, and you find a million dollars. Like how would you, you know, would you, do you, do you, do you take it? Like, what do you do? These people take it. And then, you know, yeah. Uh, you know, things happen. Uh, but, uh, but I, I, I don't think I take it. I think the guilt and the, I'd be so nervous that someone would come get me. It's not worth the money. No, it's not. No, it's not. Um, but I also I, I I thought about so I'm watching the movie, but I'm mostly thinking to myself. You know, what, I'm I'm very fortunate in life where you know I I I have yeah, a, you know, I have a house. I don't he live in a single. I don't live in, in a desert, fucking trailer. Right, in, he's a welder. Know. It's hard work. Maybe if you're in that situation, maybe you do. You you know what? Fuck, I'm just gonna fucking. I mean, I'm gonna take this money. You know, money means things different things to different people. That's true. It does. Yeah, I really, I really like this movie. Can't say enough good things about it. A minus. I'm an A minus. I'm two. so glad I'm, I'm rewatched it. And if you haven't watched it again, you have to watch it again. Totally watch. Do it a rewatch. It's worth it. It's fine. It's captivating. It's great. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Shall we talk about uh, Alicia Keys next? Before we do, I don't want to forget. I have a Milk Dudley weather report. Wait, are we doing this every episode? No, just uh, the ones where he he did one, and I don't want to. He sent it to me already. I don't want to forget on next week. I year, see. You know what I mean? All right. Cool. Have at it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this is weather for the week of December 9th to fifteenth, two thousand seven. All right. Uh, it was uh, a mixed bag of weather through the country. Northeast, uh, a cold but dry beginning of the week, but it ended with 10 inches of snow in Boston. I don't remember that. No. December, ten. like December 15th is 10 inches. Oh, it's I ten- know why. I was on the West Coast. 2007, were you? Yep. Well, right we're, now. We'll get to personal yep. stories. Um, 
daily record lows were observed in Michigan as low as negative 10 degrees. Yes. Um, but he says there was plenty of quote warm country for old men in the Southeast where recorded warmth was experienced in Louisiana, North Carolina, and Georgia. Get it? That's I do funny. get it. That's yes, funny, I, right? I get it. Uh, there was a <laughs> snow sleet, freezing rain in, uh, in Southwest. Um, oh, this is interesting. Flagstaff, Arizona received 25 inches of snow this week. Yeah, they're at elevation. Uh, Flagstaff is like 6,000 been there. 7,000. It's so wild. You drive to Arizona and you, obviously you're in the desert, but then yep. you go up north, you kind of feel like you're in New Hampshire with some of the trees. Right. It's it's pretty, it's, I think Arizona, I think the out west is amazing. It's beautiful. Um, destructive ice storms led people uh, in Oklahoma and Kansas uh, with 600,000 homes were left without power and residence. And he says they were huddling together to like zombies from I Am Legend, which is our movie. Oh! On Saturday. Oh, that excites Matt. All right. <laughs> and that's the Milk Dudley Weather Report. He has a Thanks, qu- Milk. He has a quote we, he wants us to read. He wants he, he wants his it's like, like you're looking at me like you're asking me my permission. No, I'm not asking. I don't never ask you permission. Okay. Uh, that's just the way you're looking I'm at me. I'm looking at you like you're it's your show too. Curious how you feel this. So he wants I think he wants his catchphrase to be bang on that every time we do it. I'm not going to do that. But the, No, don't because yeah. that's been used by a tons of people. I know. I know. It's a stranger. Yeah. I, I love the Milk Dudley Weather Report. I don't like the I think I don't. I, don't think I love Milk Dudley. I love Milk Dudley. I don't think Milk that's Dudley. That's as far as I'm going to go. I don't think he needs a catchphrase. I think Milk Dudley Weather Report is a enough, uh, but that's so a little weather around what was going on. Okay. So Alicia keys <laughs> <laughs> and the song that's that is number one. I can verify that this is number one. This uh, this week is uh, no one. It's a really good song. Okay, so um, let's talk about Alicia first. Yes. So Alicia keys actually I appreciate Alicia keys a lot more than I appreciate the song actually and I think I and I there are other songs that I like from her much better, but this woman is I, she's older than I thought. She's uh, she's like thirty nine. She's almost our she age. Married. Um, she uh, like her first record deal was when she was 15, 16 years old. So she's just been kind of been the first album. But it's um, even beyond that, man. She's fucking awesome. Yeah, like, she is awesome. I don't mean like she talented. Is. I mean like she's fucking. I know she's awesome. Yeah. Like so she grows up in her in Hell's I, Kitchen. Do you want? How okay. about I talk about okay, this? Okay. So well, you, well, you uh, skipped ahead though. That I just wanted to. I just wanted to give a like. I like to give a little over. People know who preference. she is, Matt. Matt. Matt's like this. So Alicia Keys is a musician. <laughs> this is this is why people do Matt's plays. I don't care. Do I? So, uh, classically trained pianist. That's the thing. She started playing pianos as like a six, seven year old kid. And you can tell like she is a phenomenal piano player, singer, like orchestrator, good, good composer. Like you can, this is somebody who I I give a lot of points for people who have this well-rounded of a skill set. But so she's obviously very smart, worked hard, graduated high school early as a 16 year old kid, enrolled in Columbia, actually got a full boat to Columbia, didn't stay there very long. But as I say, again, the Tommy uh, Page, I think we talked about him, yeah. same thing, like yeah. really super smart, um, like total type A, got shit done. Um, but got like, I remember re- I read that she said she got kind of burned out in like her early teens. And her mom was like, well, why don't you just take a break from shit and just concentrate on your piano? And she did. And I think it was the right fucking call. Um, she also said, yeah, I, I, say, I say stuff worked out for her. Yes. I yeah, to, right yeah right. Well, but not just that though. Like, yeah. so, uh, so, all right. Yeah, you're right. Yes. yes. <sighs> um, one thing that she said, she had a hard time uh, growing up in hell's kitchen. You said, right. Kind of yeah. hard life, single mom, dad left when she was a kid. New York in the eighties was not like an easy place. It wasn't like now, yeah. like hell's kitchen now is like a really nice place to be. Is that? I don't, I don't yeah. Know. But like back then, like it wasn't. So right. like, it was tough. She said growing up drug dealers, a lot of gang yeah. activity as she started to like grow into a woman. She got yeah, early nineties. You know, that, that area wasn't great. 
Yeah, she got like harassed all the time, yeah. whatever. And she said it kind of turned her into an introvert, got really protective of herself. Sure. And she also said that it, it made it so that she had a hard time kind of emoting emotionally. And she mm. she credits, did you see she credits um watching the scene in Philadelphia where Tom Hanks is listening to the opera and like yeah. it, it's it's actually it's a really beautiful scene. Jonathan Demi. Jonathan Demi. Yep. To crediting that scene to saying, oh yeah, music can like really help cool. drive yeah. my 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 emoting. And so she that's that like was a like a, a um a spark for her to start doing that with her music. Um I kind of so she studied music until she, like actively, she said she was even practicing sometimes six hours a day until she was 18 years old. That's a, that is that is supreme focus. That's, yeah. that's amazing. And I kind of wondered like how good the next generation after uh, like how good the next generations of musicians are going to be because we have a hard time focusing on anything for that amount of time. No, but that's kind of what people say the same thing 20 years ago. Though. No, I people you, would say the same, people like more of a how is anyone like Alicia Keys going to exist because people don't play the piano anymore. You it's know not what even, I mean? No, like, it's not even that, but it's like being having the focus. Like when you practice an instrument, it is you are in the now you are focusing sure. on a thing for like an extended period of time. It's the only way you can get the motor muscular skills down. And until we can kind of get past that where, you know, it's just shit going right straight from our brains to a musical instrument where our physical bodies isn't in the way anymore. Um, you really have to work that that muscle memory and that dexterity. So I think I, I just kind of wonder. How, I mean, she's obviously a genius. She's great. Yeah. She's amazing. I, I think those people always exist in the world. Luckily, I think there's just a thing. No, I hope so. Yeah, I, in I, different I, I, ways. But I just yeah. wonder, like, how it's going to change based on our attention span. That's yeah, what I mean. Maybe. So she signs a deal pretty young. She's like yes. 15, 16 years old um, with Columbia Records. Columbia University, Columbia Records. Columbia Records yep. doesn't know what the fuck to do with her. What a mess. It is a fucking mess. This is crazy. Yeah, so they sick like, you know, stylists on her and different producers yeah. and songwriters, all sorts of people trying to make her look. She's beautiful. Trying to make her look prettier, more urban yeah. or like more hip or show more skin um, to like not. She had, she'd been writing songs since she was just a, a kid, 12, 13 year old kid. In fact, two of uh, two of her songs that she wrote when she was thirteen are on her first album. Yeah. Um, so like she's she knows, she, but they don't trust her at all. So they trust her enough to give her a deal. They see her right. talent. They see her play. They they hear her songs. They trust her enough for that, but not enough to like write the songs on her album. It makes no sense. The craziest thing though, imagine you heard though. So you know, basically, Columbia saying, "Hey, we're going to give you the world if you if you just just put on this halter top." And right. just, just sing this song. Right. We'll make you automatic. She is with a single mom in Hell's Kitchen. Yeah. They don't have a lot of, I'm sure she got some money on this deal, but yeah. you don't really make money until you start selling the records. Right. So she had balls to at say no. 16. Yeah. To basically be like, no, I'm going to wait until this is creatively right. What the? I know. That's like, what amazing. You got to give her hospital. a shit like, ton of credit. That is awesome. As a 16 year old kid, you got to give her a shit ton of credit. Uh, that, like to be poor and then have basically a lifeline and be like, you know what? I don't want to like, I, I, I believe in my craft so much. I'm yeah. not going to take that. That to me is like an amazing amount of courage for her and her mom. Like, yeah, both of them sound like badasses the coolest people we've covered in this show. Absolutely. Like, that is like, I was like, holy fuck. I, I kind of knew Alicia Key's story, but I didn't know yeah. it to this level. So, and then I so you give her a lot of credit for that, but you also give her credit for this next part, which is so instead of like, so she saw the gap in her education. She knew 
I can write music, I can play, I can sing, all that stuff, but I don't know the recording process. So she fucking taught herself. She went and sat in with, uh, with uh, other friends and other producers, uh, other mixers, you know, uh, other engineers for out and like watched how they did it, watched how to create beats, how to use the software, all that yeah, stuff. And she yeah. fucking learned it. That's crazy. And then built a small studio in her apartment and recorded her own songs. Yeah. That's what she did. And then fought her way out of that stupid ass contract. She had one like record exec who really believed or in her. Clive Davis. Clive Davis. I mean, right. it's more than record yeah. exec. Clive Davis is a yeah. huge, is a huge deal in the industry. Yeah. So he got out of that deal. But, um, Without, but you know, to her credit though, she only reason Clive Davis knew about it because she sent him yeah. what she did. She's like, here's what I can do. These, you know, Columbia, yep. Columbia is, you know, basically fucking me. Yeah. God, I mean, does not really, want me you know, to do what right. I need to do. And, yeah. and Clive Davis is like, well, all right, this is not acceptable. Like, yeah. I, we'll, we'll, we'll get you. And, and, you know, when Clive Davis has his lawyers and he, at that time, too, he might have been, he might have been the biggest guy in the, in the music well, industry. Well, he had just left, uh, I don't know if it was Arista or wherever he was. He was Arista, right? I think it, I think was. it was. I know and he, was he created his own record label called, I think it was Jay. J something. Okay. Um, and that's who she ended up. Uh, J records. Yep. And she ended up, that's who she went with. Right. And, but I'm sure it was like, so he was, he was big at the time, but I'm, I'm, I'm sure Alicia Keys like made him huge, made that record uh, company. Oh, huge. I'm sure it was a huge. Label. The I mean, first, yeah. the first album was like 15 million copies. Yeah. It was, it was, it was a, uh, uh, songs, songs in a minor. Key of, key of a. Oh, key of a. I'm sorry. Something right? like, something uh, like that. songs in a minor. A minor. Yeah. Songs in a minor. Yeah. In 2001. Okay. Yep. Um, which was a huge album, huge album, 15 million copies. So he, I mean, it was everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, uh, so, you know, um, just, you know, whatever this is like, this is, this was the hit single and this is falling and she fucking, you know, yeah, I mean, this, this was everywhere. It was everywhere. This thing sold something like 5 million copies too. had a bunch of uh, top 10 hits. This was a number one hit, yep. all that. So this is what kind of really put her on the map. Absolutely. And, I, I never heard of her before this. Yeah. And uh, Clive Davis um, trusted her just like said, you're, no, you're, you know, you've got the whole, you're like, you're kind of, you're Prince basically, you know, the whole shit fine here. We'll put you with producers you like with musicians yep. you like, and just, you know, we'll get out of your fucking way. Right. Imagine that letting creative right. people be creative. Oh, <laughs> <fucking> <laughs> what a moment as opposed to marketing asshole or some, you know, douchebag trying to say, Hey, you know, yeah. we're this, you know, it sells more videos this way. <laughs> like just let the creative people be creative. Yeah. So, uh, so the cool thing was, um, oh, and she won five Grammys for this, for, right. for that album. Right. So it, it just became huge and a couple more albums. Um, till we get to, uh, till we get to as I am, which is the album that no one is on, which is um, her third album. This is the third album. Right. So no one is a good song, but it's not my, so my, actually my favorite thing she does from this period is we agree. Yeah, me too. Yeah, right. On the same, on the same page entirely. So she gets hired uh, with uh, Jack really song. White to do the theme song for uh, Quantum of Solace, which is the James yep. Bond song. And I love what they do with this thing. This song is so awesome because they take parts of the original theme. The chord structure is it, and it's just so badass. And your voices work better together than you so than you would well. think. Yeah, so well. He's really good he's about awesome. that. I'm not a big, I don't like his music very much, but he's a very smart, crafty musician. He knows how to like. Yeah, I'll agree with that take. I do. I think I like his music more than you, but I agree, with that. I agree with that take. I just, yeah, fair take. the stuff, I don't, I think it was the stuff he did with his like, white stripes like, with his listen sister. Listen to back. Like, listen, it's beautiful. It's so good. It's so beautiful. Uh, she's playing pianos. Oh, he's got such a great groove. So good. They trade off vocals. And she sounds great. She sounds great. He knows how to do that. He knows how to. So does she. She does too, yeah. But I know he he probably produced. This sounds like a, his production. It does. It sounds more him than her, but it's still really good. But down now. That's really good. Yeah. So 
I fucking love that it's song. It's a great it's, song. It, it is. is also my, it might, that might be my favorite Alicia Keys song. I think, I think you're probably right. Um, there have been a few. So I know you haven't seen the new James Bond films. No, um, I haven't. And only because I, I only just because I, I'm going to do like a movie marathon. I was yeah. going to watch them all for the new one coming out. Yeah. Um, but I, I really love the director. It has done. Yep. Sam Mendes is great. So it's, yep. it's not because I have anything. Against, no, I know. Yeah. I know. I know. Um, but the modern theme songs have been amazing. Awesome. Like, uh, so what was the one? Uh, what the, the guy from Soundgarden did the Chris one. Cornell. Chris Cornell. Yeah, did. I, don't, I don't love that one as much. It's I good said, though. Awesome song. It's good. And, and actually, if you watch it with the intro, the intro is amazing. It's it's yeah, it's beautiful. Um, no, I'm excited to see his movies. I've been saving them for a rainy day. I'm excited for him. And Skyfall, I think, is yeah. Adele, which is a great it's song. Good. Yeah, this one's my favorite. This this one this one's the best one, yeah. definitely. But they've all been really good. This is the best. So they uh, this wasn't included on the on um as I am that album originally, right. but they put it up for like the release they put it on and it, it fits perfectly. Um, so that's where we are. So I, as I am, the album sells 7 million copies. So not as big as the first one, but still fucking huge hit three Grammys, um, two for the song. No one, um, I think record of the year. And I think for her, her performance, like singer, female singer, in a pop we song mentioned this with uh, black velvet ass cap also. said this was the most played it song. Was. Of that year. Yep. Which uh, is funny because I don't really remember it that well. I re- I don't know that we would have been listening being, to this I don't stuff though. That's yeah. the thing. I wasn't this listening to this. Which, you know, after, after doing like kind of research here for this for the show, I, I just, I'm like, you know, I need to listen to Alicia Keys more. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I agree. Like, I'm missing the boat on this. She's yeah, really good. She's I, really I, don't, good. I don't really ever seek her out and that's, that's on me. Yeah, I'm with you on that. So nine, uh, so no one five and a half million copies itself sold most played song. Like you said, in 2008, I don't think it's the best song on the album, but it spent 10 weeks at number one. So of course, you know, we probably That's hit crazy, this again, right? Yeah. Well, <laughs> we, if we do hit it again, of course we would then pick a different song. Is that what we would do? Yeah. It's going to have the yeah, same thing. Um, but no, but it shows you that it is it, 10 weeks at number one. That, that really is. That's impressive, right? Yeah. Oh, absolutely mm-hmm. impressive. Yeah, it's it's Mariah Carey level. It's uh, you know, it's it's I don't know it's who that all, is. Right. But it's all like the huge like the huge artists. She is one of she's a contemporary of like the huge divas of of this time period. Like, I guess, but I don't is. even consider that because I just think she's so talented. Like she is so she's talented. not just a no. singer. She can do no. so many things. When I say that, I mean she is she is held in that stature, but she is a much better musician than anybody else that we've that we've come across. I don't really. feel she gets enough respect. She does not get enough respect for that. She's, she's like a fantastic. I know musician. she's hosted the Grammys the last two years, yeah. which is pretty cool. Um, and I, I think that's like a, something that she deserves to do. Uh, cause she's like so great, you know? Um, but I feel like other than that though, I feel like, I don't know. I feel like Mariah Carey or even like Janet Jackson or Madonna, or, uh, even Adele, I feel like get so much more press than she they do. Yeah. And it's not, warranted. And I don't get it. No, I mean, Adele has a fan. He, she has a, she's got a world-class voice too. Yeah, no, no. Her writing is great. Her orchestra, she orchestrates her shit. She produces it. She's, she's great. Um, but the bad about the song first. Okay. So it's recycled rock tune. With or without you, right? Or, uh, sorry, I'm not home right now. I'm walking in your spider webs. Leave a message and I'll call you back. Or like Wrecking Ball or Under the Bridge or Machine Head or Take Me Home, Country Roads. It is the, it's like probably the most used chord progression in all of pop music ever. Okay. So when, you know, that's the first thing. Whenever I hear that progression, yeah. it's like it is a huge red flag for me. So, um, the 
Sorry, that's that's coming later. Sorry about that. Uh, where is it? No one Vox and base. Okay, so I always ask the question like when you have that already in place, it's like what can you do? There's only so much you can do to make it sound different than everything else. So that's the bad. The good thing is she does. Listen to that bass. That big floppy bass. Yeah. And then she arpeggiates it here. You'll hear in a second. Or maybe not. You gonna do it? Like that's really cool. Yeah. And it's really one thing about it too is it's very modern. Very so, modern. Like if you listen to pop songs now, they sound a lot like this. Yes, they do. And you know, this is 2007. Like I, like she was way ahead of her time with way with ahead. Song. Yeah, yeah. She has contemporary to- sort of timeless tones that she uses. Um, but that's the thing that makes it really hard. It's like as soon as you have that progression for me, it's just it's like okay, that is like so. I've heard it so many times. Like what? What can you? You kind of you kind of shoehorned yourself into a, a certain thing. So that's what makes it hard. The best part of the song to me is actually, um, and I, I don't know how, like how, how influenced she was, but she, she's got like a Lauren Hill kind of feel to her, to me. And, uh, and it's really no, striking. They're amazingly talented. Absolutely. It's completely underrated. Very talented. Yes. Well, she, um, she but she like, sabotage herself. You'll, yeah. You'll hear in like, um, in this section that I mistakenly played before this, this is my favorite part is actually the, the bridge section. Very Lauren Hill. I really like this section. This is a really good pop song, dude. I know this isn't. Yeah. This is a, for a song to be number one for that long. This is really. This is one of the best songs we've covered. I really like this song. Yeah, they, like you, you know my issue. You know my issue. It's like it's that chordal strut. If I hear that, I just the hundred thousand other songs that I've heard it in just you know all come back to me like little little ghosts that that fucking haunt me. It's hard to make it sound any different than anything else that I've heard. But but that that's just that you know that that's me. Most other people won't have that same reaction, and I can understand why you really like the song if you don't have that same you know negative feeling to that fucking chord mm, progression. Right. You know, but but everything else about it is amazing. I love the way they treat her voice too. That's the other thing. Um, so when when you mix vocals a lot of times, it a lot of times with pop music, they'll make the main vocals really dry or it sort of proceeds, right? There's a little bit of a room on it, but dry means no, we're used to listening to the way that we talk or the, or, or music or whatever in a space, like it reflects off walls and shit. Otherwise, it sounds very odd. When it's dry, it's it sounds like it sounds like in nothing, like in a vacuum, and that's very normal in pop music because they want to make the lyrics and the voice really clear. It makes it stand out. Okay, that's not what they do here. She is fucking like in a giant room. They've got um, usually a lot of times when you uh, there's kind of two types of uh, the difference between dry and wet. So wet is like a really like re, a lot of reverb and, and stuff on it, but. There's two effects you can use. You can use reverb, which is the room, but you can also use uh, echo, which is like a slapback, like ah, 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 like that type of thing. And there's both on her voice here. Um, you don't hear the echo so much because <clears throat> how it blends in with the room. But uh, here's the intro. Yeah. But listen to what happens when her her voice comes in.
It's harder to hear, I think, in this, but... Her voice just carries because there's just so much room on it. It just mm. stays with you long after she stops singing. Yeah. Just like, whoa, just carries on. That's that's not... That, that, that's not... That, that doesn't happen all the time in, in pop music. I love the way they treat her voice. She's got a beautiful voice, and they, they put it in a nice space and, and uh, make it nice and lush and, and thick sounding. It's really, it's really good. There, there's a lot of good stuff about the song. Um, and then I think, I think that's this is the I best. Think that's it. This is the best combo of movie and song we've done in any episode. That's probably true. Oh, I, I think with oh, it, it, by a mile. Uh, I, the only question now becomes, is this going to beat one of the best weeks we ha- we've ever done? So, mm. you know, I know our 1984 weeks, right. like when we had Kirk on, we did like, good cry kid and we had like Ghostbusters and some oh, oh, Ghostbusters no. and gremlin one week. Uh, we see, oh, cause we saw karate kid now to touch those are, I don't know if this is, but yeah, it probably is. It, it, it is. It is. I, it it is, is to me. Yeah, it is. Um, not the song, but the movie is, uh, see, I'm the other way on it. I, I love out of touch. I, the I movie, love that the song. The movie is, is it's tough for me. No kind of old man and karate kid are almost like a push in a bizarre way. Yeah. But um, in fact, I might have karate kid a little higher, but I think this song is, is better than out of touch. Yeah. It's not for but me. This is, oh, without, without doubt, this is one of the best, if not the best week we've covered. Well, definitely one of the best episode. We'll have to see what, what Saturday yeah, we'll see show what, brings. We'll see what Saturday is. But um, yeah. we're doing I Am a Legend. I forget what song we're doing. But, uh, well, oh, I'm it's a Kanye song. song. It is a Kanye song. Um, yeah. so that's, Which is good. This could stack yeah. up. It, it could. Yeah, you're right. I agree with you. Because you wouldn't have thought that from December 2007. No. I, I wouldn't have been like, that's one of the culture. Because 1984 is famously culturally right. Right, but you wouldn't think. I wouldn't have thought that 2007 was going to give us a week that could threaten that. Yeah. Yeah, she's great. You got a personal story? Yeah. So as I said, I was in California okay. and um, th- it was an interesting thing like leading up 2007 was a very formative and uh, it's just it kind of changed my life a lot uh, because I was really stuck. We'd agree my, I, my girlfriend at the time, this woman, Sarah, we'd agree that we were going to um, move to California so that she could pursue being a chiropractor. Like that was her dream. Okay. And she couldn't do that in New Hampshire. No, there's no, no, the best school in the country is in, oh, is really? in, is okay. in the Bay area. All yeah. Right. I mean, there's only a few, like the best school, second best is probably in Iowa. I didn't want to go there. No, no, no blame you. Um, not, not, not tough choice there. And she has family in, in the Bay area. Okay. So like that was a landing spot. So we ended up uh, with probably one of the worst decisions I ever made and probably led down to the breakdown of our relationship was we decided to send her out first while I would kind of it was, it would be a tough transition. You know, I w- we were going to go from, I was going to have to support us both. Didn't have a job out there. Uh, like I said, we, she had family, she had her dad out there, which we could kind of, that was our landing spot, but it, you know, it was just moving one life from here to another place and me having the responsibility of taking care of us. It, it, we, that, that was our decision in retrospect, bad move. So we you, gone the together. plan was you send her out and then you, we send her when out. When would you come out? When would you go out? As there, soon then? I was going to try to save up, um, some capital. Sure. And we also had like some land and some property. I wanted to sell that off. Uh, so the goal was to like, but this, this was like housing crash, right? Right. Happened right oh, at this time. Oh yeah. So nothing Actually, sold my headlines. Yes. Yeah, yes. Nothing sold. Right. So it really put me in a bind. Um, yeah, that's true. and I couldn't say, and I was in the mortgage industry. So that was suffering. Um, that was suffering hard. Oh, and so oh, real bad. Yeah. So what ended up happening was like, I, you know, for five, six months, I'm still here. And I, I'm, there's like no oh. prospects of me being oh, able oh, to no. do the things I need to do to get out there. Yeah. So I'm like, fuck, you know, it was, it was rough. And I've had this, I've had this before where and I'm sure everybody feels this way where you feel stuck. Like you don't know the right thing to do. Every option doesn't seem good. There's just so much unknown. You don't know how to, and I'm a real action oriented person. Yeah. Like I, I'm good at saying, 
evaluating the situation, making a decision and moving forward. And when I can't do that, it's, it really fucks with my head. Oh, in the same way. I'm having a hard, I, got, I just got laid off and I don't even yeah. know, like, I don't even know what I want to do anymore. I have no idea. I'm the same way. Like I, now that I have no like idea what I want to do. Yeah. Plus everything's so unsettled with coronavirus. Right. right. So you have this like giant forces like you do with the mortgage crisis. You have something that's completely out of your control, kind yes. of dictating your life. And you're like, and I guess I don't even know what I want to do. I don't know. Do I want to like work for a charity or I want to like stock shelves at Costco? I don't even know what the fuck I want to do, but right. I can't, I can't do any of it because of coronavirus. Right. And just like you probably wanted to do all these things like move and stuff, but you can't even sell your fucking house because of the mortgage crisis. Right. So, and I can't, I'm not growing professionally. I'm not right. making music because who, I'm not going to start a band with someone or whatever. Um, I, you know, the house stuff, money stuff, nothing is moving forward. So I'm stuck. So I got some awesome advice um, that has completely changed my life. Okay. And that is when you're stuck, which happens from time to time. Of course. Like now, just make a decision. Do something else. Do something different. Doesn't matter what it is. It's best if if you if it's something that you that you like that would inspire you, that like you like to do. Yeah. So I did. I decided, fuck it. I'm here. I don't know how long. Don't know when these things are gonna resolve themselves. I'm gonna start taking martial arts. So I did. Okay. I started taking uh Shaolin Kempo uh, in Rochester. I don't know if they're still there. Um and it's like it, everything moved, everything shifted. Yeah. But six weeks later, um, lost my job, which meant like my meaning for staying here. So I was like, okay, I, I could be poor here. I could be poor with right. the person I love. Right. So fuck it. Um, okay. So that means I need to get my place rented, got my place rented, got, uh, we'd already sent most of our stuff out there. Like we kind of already packed it up so I wouldn't have to put everything in the car, went West. That's great. Yeah. So just by like me and, and I've, that is a huge life lesson for me because whenever I, whenever I feel stuck from now on, I just like, okay, pursue something, take an action. And it always just seems that, to like resolves itself. Very similar to advice that I, I give too. like whatever. So I remember like I, I broke up and we'll talk about, actually it's the girl I was living with at this, this time, right. 2007, this girl's name is Christy. And it, we broke up in 2010. I was really depressed. And someone said, take a class in something. Doesn't matter yeah, what. Right. Cooking class. Uh, I wanted, to, I'm like, you know, I've always been kind of interested with improv comics. I took an improv class. That's where I ended up meeting. Right. Actually met, met both my wives there actually. <laughs> Not at the same time. Uh, but I met both of my Who knew the future, pool would be future so wives. All you want to marry me, everybody's anybody else is like, you know, get lost. Uh, but uh, I met both of my wives doing improv, but I also met like Fran and ended up totally changing the course of my life as sure. well. Uh, but Taking a class, like you're right, exactly. It's not inaction. It's you're you're making you're you're taking a chance. Yeah, you could fail miserably at martial arts. Sure, you could fail miserably at, at improv or, or cooking class, whatever. But chances are, it'll probably be okay. You're gonna learn something new. You right. do something you feel good about your time. And you, you meet people. I've been I've, ever since I got laid off. I'm like, oh, what do I kind of do now? My days are very empty. I'm lucky yeah, we're right. It's not. It's not. It's, this isn't like a financially. Yes, more money is better than less. But that's not the, the the crisis here. The crisis for me is like I have nothing to do with my time. Bored, but I'm bored. I have eight hours to fill. That I used to have filled, so I started running. Yeah, and I hate running. Running is so boring. It's so tedious. Um, because of the Kirk Minnie, we had him on. We talked about the five k, and right. we just had it on on Saturday. And but you know what? I see my times getting better. And the endorphins you get after you run, you feel like you've accomplished something too. And you just feel good. It's like a it's like a, a natural high. And you're like, yep. oh wow, I, it changes my outlook for the rest of the day. The days I don't yep. run, I get very down. Yep. Like three or four, I'm like I've done nothing all day. I just you just feel kind of worthless. But if you run, at least you accomplish something, and also you get kind of that natural endorphin high. Which maybe you got some of that from doing martial arts. Too. Absolutely did, yeah. And yeah, just being active. You're right. Make a decision. Do something. It's right, really good advice. Because if you're in a rut, you're seeing the same thing every day. You are you are Ugh. approaching the situation the same. The situation is the same. You're approaching everything the same way. It can't. You cannot 
you, do, you can't change your perspective. You need to do something else to right. open new doors, to have stimulus from different, different things. And a lot of us are in ruts right now. Yeah. Yeah. You know? So I would, I would say too, like, you know, if you're stuck at home and most, I'd say probably the majority of people have it worse than we do. Like we're with, oh, people, absolutely. We're with people we love. Yes. We're in the country. Right. Like, you know, we're okay oh. financially. Like everything's pretty okay right. for us. But so I would say like, if you're, if you're in a spot and you're stuck then like just do, you could take an online class or start doing some sort of exercise or like just do something a little bit different. My wife does like art projects. She's like, yeah. she like, so every week they send her like a different like box of art stuff oh, she can do. Cool. And she doesn't, you know, want to be a great artist, but she just enjoys doing them and they're fun for her. Yeah. It's like, oh, that's, you know, if it's self, you no, know, I'm not a great runner, but it's fun for me to see my time get better. Like it's, yeah, yep. exactly. That's all really good advice. I know it's a tough time right now, but uh, yeah, just I, right. Do something. Don't be inactive. I like that. Yeah. I headlines. Like that. Headlines. All right. All right, we'll get through these here. Let's see here. Open up the old uh, the old phone. Yeah, might as well. Here. All right, here we go. Okay, so this week in 2007, the Mitchell Report was released. Oh, uh, right. That's the 409-page report named 89 major leaguers, uh, both current and former, uh, as alleged to take steroids, including Roger Clemens, who was never a steroid, even rumored, well, I shouldn't say it, and not heavily rumored to be a steroid guy. Right. And Andy Pettit, who really had no rumors oh, around yeah. at all. So when this came out, it was very and shocking. And he admitted it. That's he so did. funny. He did. That same week, he admitted it. Yep. Um, Which is why it's, he's like past it. Yes. And no one else is. Barry Bonds was named. Was this Ortiz named uh, on this too? No. So, the, so Barry Bonds wasn't, he, there was already the Balco stuff with yeah, him. Yeah, right. That wasn't, he really wasn't, like Eric Gagne was named. Like these, yeah, that's right. Those are guys that weren't really, had the red stain on them. Yeah. This report really did that. Yeah. This was a report. If you're not a baseball fan, major league baseball, uh, all the stuff about Mark McGuire and stuff was really coming out. So major league baseball said they want to kind of control the narrative and they had George Mitchell, a uh, former U S Senator from yep. Maine. Uh, he then created, uh, he basically did like, uh, investigative work and created this 400 page report that detailed to the best of their abilities, how steroids work in baseball. Sure. But honestly, it kind of missed the boat. Steroids actually is way more prevalent than the report leads you to believe. Yeah. Um, steroids was, was really everywhere. This did kind of blow the lid off of it um, even more than I already had, but it, it was, uh, it, it's a real stand. It really sucks. I'm a big nerd baseball stat nerd. Did you read this thing? Oh yeah. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it's a, I'm a big baseball stat nerd and um, it destroyed the record books. Like it, baseball has a it lot. It did. I like, I love chasing history. It's what I love Me most about too. baseball. Yeah. And the fact that, um, it doesn't that, that has, a lot of it has lost a lot of value to kind of root. Plus I got older too. I like sports less cause I'm older, but, yeah. um, but I remember the time I was, I was really, I had already was disheartened, but reading, I was just like, Oh God, really? Um, so the mortgage crisis, like we mentioned, had already begun. Right. And the federal reserve, uh, cut federal fund rates this, this week. Um, and to zero or to what? So, you know, I think it was a four and a half. Was it? No, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah I think be. it was. Yeah, I forget what it was. Actually, shouldn't be four and a half. It should be lower than that. But that's okay. I forget. That's okay. Yeah. So they cut them. They cut them by at least half or a full percent. I know yeah. that much, uh, but not to zero. And a year later to the day is when Bernie Madoff got arrested. <laughs> so this shows you how long the crisis was. So in December of 2007, as Matt mentioned, it was already in full swing. Yeah. Um, that Bear Stearns had gone under. You had all these shit all these was going, on, going on, and then you know. It went on all throughout 2008 to the point of December 11, 2008 is when Bernie got arrested. Yeah. You know, think about how long that is and how, and what, like a Paul, remember over the elections, I had such a Paul over the Absolutely. elections and yeah. remember McCain suspended his campaign at one point. Oh yeah. To, to, to like go yeah. back to the Senate. Cause it was just a disaster. Um, 
but yeah, the cracks obviously were, were already in the foundation here. And then Ike Turner died uh, at 76 years old. He was married at least 10 times. I'm guessing he was married 10 times, married at least 10 times. Jesus he said Christ. 14. No I mean, I know this guy is not, this is not a good dude. This is not a good actor. I bet you hate him, right? I fucking hate him. Yeah, I imagine. Yeah, uh, you know, just beat up Tina Turner. Beat up Tina Turner. I mean, you don't, uh, don't fucking touch Tina. Been arrested a number of times for other things. Yeah, like he's just a, like a bad guy. A guy. Um, but then you know, wildly talented though, where he got you know he not as talented as Tina Turner. No, but no, but still a really talented guy. You know, and uh, but he he could never get rid of the drugs, and he in the nineties he was able to get off the cocaine finally, and then he relapsed in uh, two thousand like four, and then when he died he had cocaine in his blood. Yeah. He's like 70 something years old. I yeah, mean, yeah. I mean, that's, but yeah, his life is, well, I was doing, like, there's almost too much to even talk about in headlines. This guy's life is just like insane. Like th- all right. the things that he had done. And he said he, uh, the reason he got into cocaine was Elvis introduced it to him. Fucking Elvis. But, uh, yeah, right. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> yeah. It's, it's just a crazy life this guy had. That is a crazy life. I equate him. He's actually probably worse, but I sort of equate him to uh, the Jackson's dad. What was the Joe Jackson? Joe Jackson. Oh, he's a monster I, too. I kind of like they, they're kind of different they, reasons though. Yeah, absolutely. But they sort of they they kind of occupy the same space in my brain. They're both bad guys. Both bad guys. Yeah, Ike Turner dead at seventy six. See ya, motherfucker. Uh, we're back on Saturday. We have um, I am Legend. I am Legend. As you mentioned and, and uh, Kanye, Kanye West song. song. Can't remember um, which one, but it'll be good. That, yeah, and, we'll, and then uh, and then we'll maybe announce. Uh, Another announcement. Maybe. Yeah. All right. Check your next one. Bye.